speaking of those um, beautiful children, we have a um, we have a, a blessing here at this church to have um, a number of young folks with us. Not those who just exit, but those that stay in here with us. So um, we appreciate you, parents, for bringing your kids to church. Um, this morning, as we continue the Masked Sinner um, lesson, last week I introduced you to a thought. If you haven't seen the show, um, The Masked Singer, it's this idea that there's a hidden um, personality, whether they're a singer or whether they're a pop culture figure, and that they participate in a sort of a talent show, and they're trying to guess who this person would be. And the most talented person to end is um, the winner, and then they're unmasked, and um, I explained to who you I explained to you who T-Pain was last week, so you can thank me for that later. Um, so this week, we're going to continue to talk about the Mass Center. We're going to talk about um, a sin um, in our lives that, um, that we may struggle with, or maybe that we're in the process of conquering, or maybe that we no longer struggle with. Um, last week, we talked about pride, and uh, we went into detail about some ways in which um, we can be prideful, but we can combat um, prideful behavior. Um, this week, we're going to talk about prejudice, and so... Um, before we begin, I'd like to pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, as we, um, as we go into um, a time of uh, Bible study this morning, um, I pray that um, we're intentional about opening up the Word, about looking ourselves, about, um, about noting ways or scriptures that we can um, read about later on this week. And um, I pray, God, that our small groups can be uh, a continued effort to help us um, remove the sins from our lives, Lord, that uh, we may be hiding behind and to clearly see your path for us in our lives. In your son's name we pray this morning. Amen. Our main point this morning from our small group guide, and there are a few in the back on the Welcome Center, is learning about others can give you the insight and motivation to undertake the journey of change. We're in a process of, um, of change, a journey of change here. Um, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, then you will be able to test and approve or discern what God's will is, that good, perfect, and pleasing will, that good and pleasing, perfect will of God. We have a responsibility for discernment, for education, for learning, for testing our different ideas or thoughts or those ideas or thoughts that God places on our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through sometimes a wandering mind. We think of these, these big picture ideas when we were kids, and I'm sure sometimes as adults, we think, can God create a rock that's too heavy for him to lift if he, can, if he has the strength to do all things? And we, we put these um, concepts in our head and give ourselves headaches for no reason. We do that at times. Um, sometimes we're placed in predicaments in our lives where we feel like we don't have um, the perfect answer for. Sometimes God just presents through his word or through, um, through the, the spirit of others um, circumstances that kind of maybe pursue us on to a new discernment, a new understanding, a new opportunity for testing to educate ourselves. Um, Christians, and I think maybe specifically in the Church of Christ, are some of the most educated when it comes to the Scripture. There are religions out there that um, um, their congregants don't have to necessarily educate themselves on what the, their, um, their Bible or their, um, their laws or their expectations are. They just come to church and we'll tell you what to do. That's not typically how it works here. We ask you to not only listen to what's being said, but look at it yourself and to discern to make sure that what I say is true, but make sure that truth is continually being presented to you in your life. So I may have a perspective today that you say, I don't necessarily agree with that, or maybe I don't understand that yet. And that's good. Then you have homework to do, right? And if you have an understanding or an expectation that you agree with me on, then you're going to have homework at the end to go and live that life out. 
So um, we're not just going to sit here today and talk about a few things and say, okay, we're better because of it. We're here to make the world better. We're here to operate in a world that's broken. And we're trying to do that in the best way possible by how God leads us. So in order to do that, it's sometimes we have to take whatever mask we have in our lives and, and have the courage to remove it. And not just remove it and sit it aside like it's never going to present itself to us again. But take a look at it and how it works. Why at times is it easier to mask the things that we struggle with in our lives than to confront those things? Because sometimes the mask provides comfort. If anybody um, at, at, at um, Halloween or different times of the year where you can dress up or pretend to be somebody else, sometimes that's comforting. If you ever uh, do one thing and, and during the day and then you come home and you have a different life, maybe you have a job and there's a certain identity you have at that job, we find comfort in that job. And sometimes it's easier to do what? Stay at work than to come home. Right? Sometimes we would say, boy, it would be easy if we could just live at church all the time, if Bible camp was just a year-round thing. Well, some religions do that. They place their most knowledgeable, most understanding, most discerning members in towers, and they study the Word. And then they know the answers. But then they don't come from those towers and affect the community in a way in which they're teaching those. Right? Jesus didn't do that. God didn't do that. He sent His Son to walk amongst us, to help teach us by His example the things He already, he already understood from God. And, in a way, to test those things on His people. We were studying in the youth class this morning about judges. We were in chapter 4. I'm talking about Deborah. Um, and we were talking about the need for a judge. Why a judge was important. A judge appointed by God was important to kind of give people an idea of the next direction to go. Maybe help settle disputes. Help lead them into battle. There are a number of things in which a judge would take responsibility on because the people couldn't do it for themselves. God had a relationship at times through people, judges, prophets, um, where he would... He would show people the way based on the information he gave them. The angels had some um, responsibility in that too in the Old Testament. But then God also took very hands-on ways in which he connected to people. He connected the Israelites through fire, through a, uh, a pillar or a cloud. He connected uh, by, by dropping food from heaven and saying, I'm going to sustain you. Physically, I'm going to step forward and um, give you what you need. Sometimes God directly spoke to people and they'd hear this audible voice, Right? God works with us in different ways, but God at times needed people to speak for him. Now, God gives an opportunity for us to learn from others, and we have an identity or an idea of what a judge is in our life based on um, if, we're, if we have good behavior or not. If you have good behavior, you trust a judge to make sure bad things are kept at bay and we're safe, right? If you do bad things... Maybe you don't respect that idea of a judge as much. Maybe you fear a judge in a different way. And maybe it's not just a judge who sits at a court, but it's your mom or dad who sits at home court, and they're your personal judge. We don't always respect that when we're younger. Wait till you have kids, young people. Um, wait till you have kids, young people. Let me say that in a different way in the same exact <laughs> words. Um, we have a responsibility to be respectful of ways in which we can learn and, and discern from other people in our lives. The, um, the Mass Center this morning, I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul is speaking here and he says, Although I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. And when you think about um, choosing to be enslaved by certain things or choosing to be accountable to different people, it's a very interesting concept and one I want to start out with this morning. 
if we're talking about judging, we have to understand something. We can't fully understand other people unless we do certain things to gather information about those people. I'm going to list um, six things this morning that are going to help us um, discern ways in which we can grow closer together to people, no matter who those people are, no matter if they hate us, no matter if they don't look like us, no matter if they, they live a life contrary to what we, um, what we believe. We have a responsibility to connect to those people in a healthy, Christ-like manner. Okay? That's a challenge. Okay? And maybe we're not faced with that challenge this morning at a, at a very high rate, but this morning, there are challenges facing this body that, that meets here. There are people here who are struggling with making correct decisions. There are people here who are struggling with, um, with maturity. There are people here who are struggling with, um, with things of the world that um, will tear you apart. Um, so I think it's important that we don't underestimate how Satan works, even in a, in a community of believers. And don't overestimate what you're going to expect when you get out of the world. You are capable to help people see Jesus. Not only capable, you are responsible this morning to leave this place and help people see Jesus. So Paul gives this example. He's making an effort to intentionally go out and meet these people, connect to these people, understand their customs. Even though some of those customs are to change or they've been asked to change, he's going to learn about those and even participate in those to create a baseline relationship with people to win them back to Jesus. He's chosen to, to become a slave. And I would say learning about others can give you the insight and motivation to undertake the journey of change. That was our first main point, the one you'll see in the small group guide and the one that's up here this morning. Learning about others can give you the insight and motivation to undertake the journey of change. Learning about others isn't easy. And at times we think, well, the Bible doesn't necessarily require us to do that. Aren't we supposed to take care of our own business? Remain faithful ourselves, and God will be our judge? Aren't we only accountable to the things that we do ourselves? And at a, at a very baseline level in your faith, yes. But if that's the only way you ever operate, then we're missing, uh, we're missing some really good opportunities to connect to others. We're missing some really good opportunities to take our faith from, really, from, from merely a fan or a follower of Jesus to one who is being Jesus, who is involved in ministry, who is connecting to people's needs in their weakest moments and shining a light on how they can turn from darkness to light. So it's important for us to learn about people by being around other people. It's not, okay, it's, it's not enough to just be here this morning and think we're going to be able to be equipped on how to handle every situation we come into contact with. It is, um, I would say it's negligent of us to assume that this morning we might not run into someone who's going to present something to us that we're just not ready to handle. I will guarantee you this morning, if you want to privately talk to me about some things that I've seen or done, prayed about or experienced before I've had to come up here and speak in this building, we can talk about those things. There's some heavy things going on in this building, right? We understand that. Imagine how heavy those things are to people who don't have a fellowship of believers. Imagine how heavy those things are for the homeless, for people without families, from, uh, from the abandoned. The, this perspective to me is, is, is really important um, because I've lived a life where I've chosen to live in circumstances that aren't ideal to, to, um, to do my best to, to show those people who Jesus is. Um, living the life of a missionary and choosing to um, 
Um, live with homeless, live with abandoned, live with orphaned people, live with hungry people, uh, makes it impossible to eat dinner without thinking of those people. It makes it really difficult to take your leftover food and throw it in the trash when people are starving down the street from you. Okay? Now, I'm not suggesting that you must go to a third world country to see that firsthand. That is in our own community. People are starving. People are hungry. There are people out by the clock tower at Colgate. Don't speak too, high, um, too much about this because it's, it's, um, it's a secret for those people who are living in tents trying to survive. They don't want publicly people to know that they're doing that. But they have no other choice. Those people come to us and need food, need advice. And what they say to us, thank you for re- renewing my faith in humanity. Giving someone a ride home from our feed the community to a tent somewhere in the woods gave them an opportunity to see faith in humanity again. Why? Because we chose to be involved in those people's lives and be on their journey. We need to stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Discernment is important. And Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is full of examples of way in which people thought one thing, but actually the truth was something to the contrary. Religious people would think one thing and then weren't exactly operating the heart of what God expects. It's important for us to stop merely judging by appearances, but to judge correctly. How do we do that? Well, education is very important. Knowing the matters at hand. Studying the tendencies of our community. Looking at the struggles that people have. And and, and ask ourselves, not only... Um, What are the struggles, but why do they find themselves in those situations? If drug use is so predominant in southern Indiana, it's disgusting, right? We think, who would do that? Well, it's not the drugs just magically come into people's lives and make them do that. There are other circumstances that put people in harm's way when it comes to drug use. There's a history of abandonment or or, uh, mental illness or... Um, PTSD and struggles with um, things that they've seen or done in different environments. So we have to kind of become aware of those things. It's also important that we stop judging by appearances only because we also have something called implicit bias, um, an unconscious, or sometimes we're unaware of the bias or the um, assumptions that we hold about other people. Did you know that? There are people in this world that you assume act behave or think a certain way because of the way they look. Because that's what history has told you or because that's what current pop culture tells you. So if someone dresses in a certain way, you make an assumption that they're that type of person. Is that a true assumption? Not necessarily. So how do you figure that out? Educating about that culture is important. Now Paul educates himself about culture, but does he participate in sinful culture to win sinful people? No. He educates himself about the sins of those people. He educates themselves about the customs of those people. He understands the way that they dress and the way that they talk and the way that they behave. But it, he doesn't fall into their sinful behavior to be a part of them. He sets an example of Christ in a foreign environment to have a respect and understanding about that environment. He's not just judging about appearances. He's learning to judge correctly. Education is not only a way... Um, is, can not only convince us of bi- that bias exists, but help us understand our own better. We have certain biases ingrained in us. And there's a lot of different discussions about this. I, I uh, challenge you this morning to spend some time studying about 
implicit bias and, and unconscious bias and some of these things. Some people will say that's not true. And it's foolish to assume that there aren't assumptions we've already made in our head about people, even though we don't know those people. I think if I privately ask any of you, you'll say, yeah, sometimes I do that. Okay? Now, it may not make us a racist, or it may not make us a bigot, or it may not make us all these other things that we hear about in our, in our social media, and our media, but it makes us ignorant. And it's hard to love people when we're ignorant about how those people need to be loved. Paul chooses to no longer be ignorant. God chose to send his son to show he's not willing to just be ignorant about the struggle that man faces. Right? God intervenes in numerous ways throughout Scripture. And the most glorious example of mercy and grace and love for us is that he sent himself in the form of his son to live with us and to go through this mess called life and be punished because of it. Education is important. If, um, if you look in Matthew um, chapter 5, um, we're going to get through this this morning. There we go. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, we're called to be kind, compassionate, to love one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgave you. Kindness is important. Kindness and compassion are, um, are, are part of that process. And in 1 Thessalonians, we talked about rejoicing and praying and giving thanks this morning because we're called to do those things. We're called to be kind and compassionate, excuse me, to other people, and then forgiving those people. In Matthew chapter 5, um, we, the, the old law talked about an eye for an eye, where it was okay in, in the old law to just um, respond, by, um, respond in, a, in a judgmental way by, by the judgment that somebody deserves. Someone steals from you, then, then, um, then there's a certain judgment that they would get. If someone does um, this or does that, you respond in a way, in a like way, that, um, that draws um, them back to what they've done wrong. Okay? God changes that type of judgment by sending Jesus. Jesus speaks of a different type of judgment because the heart of that mindset is not in line with God's heart. God doesn't want us to just tell people everything that they've done wrong and punish them for their wrong deeds. He wants people to be held accountable for their wrong deeds, but he wants them to see mercy and love through that. If you look, um, when they're called to go one mile by the, um, the Roman centurion in, in Matthew, um, Jesus asked them to go the extra mile. This phrase, the second mile, is found. Um, it roots from um, these first century Palestinians um, where the Romans had conquered them and they had, uh, they had asked them, they would require them to carry their armor or carry their baggage for a mile. And Jesus required those people his followers, if they're asked to do that one mile, go two miles. Humility is the obvious connection there, right? We're supposed to be humbled in what people ask us to do, especially if we're bound by law to those people. You know what walking with someone does? It helps you see the path that they're on. Now, this might be a stretch for this specific example, but I like the, this idea of walking with someone further than they're expected to. Because then you're enlightened to the path that they're on. The pitfalls, the potholes in the road, the, the, um, the scenery that's around them, the, the challenges that they're facing, the stumbling blocks, the influences. So when you walk with someone who struggles with drug use and, um, and, and you're disgusted by that behavior, you start to see something. It's not just them. It's their surroundings. It's their community. 
We live in that community. Are we giving them hope and humanity to continue to live in that community? Right? Walking with them a little longer than we we are required to helps us gain that insight and to understand what their path really looks like. That shows kindness and compassion in a, in a whole different way. We talked about, um, in the call to worship, about the importance of smiling. Studies show that people who smile more have less bias based on the differences of others. With children, there's a study of, of, um, of um, white faces and black faces, and, and um, if, if children remember those faces after they'd seen them, and they were trying to figure out, are they learning a bias? Is there, a, is there an unconscious bias within children about the color of someone's skin? You know what they found out about that study? They, kids remembered the faces that were smiling. They didn't remember the faces based on the color of their skin. They remembered those faces that smiled in that study more than they did whether they were white or black. The kindness that those children were seeing from the faces around them were the things that they remembered. They weren't focused on the color of the skin. We need to be careful. Be careful that we show kindness and compassion, but we show joy as well. If we're asking someone to walk with us in our journey of faith, and not just for a mile, but maybe an extended journey, we probably need to show them that it's worth walking, that it's actually enjoyable, that it's something that they would be willing to participate in. Eventually, they'll see that there are struggles in our journey as Christians. It's not an easy walk. It doesn't mean that we're exempt or we're um, excluded from the struggles of this world. But we have a different hope based on where we're headed in our journey. So we have a responsibility to be joyful because if we're not joyful when we, when we meet people, when we tell them we're Christians or when they find out we're Christians, why would they want to be a part of something that doesn't make them happy? We have a responsibility not to lie to people and tell them we're happy all the time, but to smile more. In Genesis, we're reminded that we're created in the image of God. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Why is that important? Because at a base level, we're able to recategorize people by shared characteristics. And we're more likely to see them as a part of us. We have all the reason in the world to see the differences we have in other people. Tuesday is going to be a great reminder of the differences we have in other people. I haven't forgotten last Tuesday's um, the day we vote. If you haven't um, thought about that, you, I'm sure you've been reminded because you watch TV or you've had something in your mail or there's been signs all over the place. Politics are, are, the, are the easiest way in which we divide ourselves um, every four years, every other year, depending on what's going on, right? We categorize ourselves by certain beliefs based on the way in which we align ourselves politically, okay? It's not just that. The um, sports equinox hit last week. Does anybody know what the sports equinox is? It's when all the major sports are playing at the same time. Thank you, John. I know you're there, right? We had a little bit of baseball, a little bit of basketball. We had a little bit of hockey. People still care about hockey. And, and football is obviously going on. We had all these major sports going on at the same time, right? And you think, well, that's an exciting time if you're a sports fan. It's also an easy time for people to divide themselves on some of the most ridiculous things you could imagine, right? Which team they cheer for, which player they think is the greatest of all time or not, and who coaches them. We have reason to divide ourselves all the time over things that I think we created, our, created for ourselves to enjoy. 
we can choose to enjoy those things whether we're successful in those things or not. We can recategorize ourselves, our minds, to see ourselves just like other people if we see all people created by God. Then we see all people connected to us. You know God loves all people? Do you believe that? Absolutely does. Do you think God sent Jesus to save all people? Absolutely does. Do you think all people have a chance to go to heaven? Absolutely they do. Are all people going to go to heaven? No. But we're all, we're, we are all operating under the same circumstances, the same rules, the same standards. We have an idea of a God in our head that makes it worth getting up this morning. And I know you got an extra hour of sleep, so maybe it was easier this morning. And we may look and say, well, people could have been here. If we expect the, the fact that our doors are open to be the only way that evangelism happens as a church, we're probably not operating under the right circumstances. We are supposed to be equipping ourselves this morning, discerning what's correct, and learning how to go and show that that's worth being joyous about. Recategorize yourself as part of the solution and not part of the problem. Matthew chapter 6 talks about the health of, um, of the body, because the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the whole body will be healthy or full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And you say, well, that's, that's, um, that's a little bit of a stretch, Corey. I mean, we're talking about the ways in which we're supposed to respond and, and we're supposed to see things and we're supposed to um, live our lives out. Why does our physical health matter? Because it starts with the way in which we see ourselves. If you don't feel healthy about yourself, do you feel good about yourself? If you don't feel good about yourself, do you feel good for other people? Has anybody ever struggled in this cycle where sometimes you just don't feel like it and it's hard to get out of bed? And then how are you going to be good for anybody else? Have you ever heard the term, this phrase, it's impossible to love other people if you don't love yourself? Well, our vision is very important when it comes to our, our overall health. Not only how we see ourselves, but how we see the people around us. And our eyes, if kept healthy, if kept focused on the correct things, will give us the light it takes to resist the darkness in our world. But if we just go about our lives living unhealthy, and the studies show healthier people, people who exercise, people who eat right, people who... Um, choose to be surrounded by healthy people, they live a more productive life. Now, some of those things are out of our control. It's not fair for someone who struggles with um, cancer, dementia, um, different, um, different, di different types of diseases or disabilities to say, well, you need to be happy all the time. Obviously, there's going to be a struggle with our health at some point. Obviously, some of us understand that struggle more than others. That's why... It's important that we surround each other by people who have a like faith and understand how to respond to struggles that other people have. But how we, how we view our world around us starts with us. Starts with what we allow to shape that conversation. If we're not in the Word of God and we start looking to um, popular culture, social media, maybe even, um, maybe even scholars who write books to tell us how the world around us operates we might find ourselves full of darkness. There are plenty of books, spiritual books, that focus on things that are contrary to God. 
it's important for us to make sure we're also discerning and understanding what's um, important when we're educating ourselves through our eyes. Healthy habits allow us to feel more secure about our place in the world and create a more balanced tolerance for others. If we feel like we're up for living as long as we can on this earth, I got a feeling you're going to live a little kinder to other people. But if every day you wake up and you wish you were dead, I don't know how you're going to pour life into anybody else. If every day you wake up and you wish your circumstances were different and you feel horrible about yourself, how in the world are you going to love anybody like Jesus loved you? We have a responsibility to try to be healthy. And we have a responsibility to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, and there's no greater command than these. Of all the proposed solutions to combat prejudice, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more effective antidote than friendship between different groups. You want to help solve judging others? You want to help solve prejudice? You want to help solve bigotry, racism? Choose to be friends with someone who looks different than you. Choose to be friends with someone who thinks different than you. Choose to walk with someone who is your enemy further than the expected route to maybe gain some insight about their struggles or their life. To educate and respect yourself about their journey. Not to become those people, but to understand that those people are me. Those people are created in God's image just like I am. I faithfully believe that. I'm here this morning because of that. And so it's easy to say, I believe we're all on the same journey this morning. I believe we're all, um, we're all part of the solution this morning. And it's, it's also important to say, I believe we need more people who are part of the solution here this morning. So I'm glad people are listening online, and I'm glad you're going to take this out and talk about it at lunch, and you're going to work in the small groups, and you're going to participate in your um, service and evangelism group and the financial um, peace group. You're going to take that information, and you're going to share it with the world because it'll make the world a better place, right? Right? Well, those are all things we've said we're going to do together. We have to be accountable to those things. And not just to people who look like us, but to all people. We're called to go into the, all the world and share the gospel. So our six keys to avoiding prejudice this morning are simple. Travel the world. Get out and see the world. See the world so you'll understand the challenges that other people face. That you'll, you'll experience their, their culture. You'll learn some of their language. And then you, maybe you won't discriminate so much about the things that you don't understand. When you see things from a different path. Study to understand the truth. Study to understand truth. Get in the Word. Look what the Bible says about making judgments and who, um, who, is, who is called to make those judgments. But understand what righteous judgments are as well, church. We're not called to blindly go about and tell everybody that they're good, that their decisions are right, and that the ways in, they in which they behave is okay. We are called to people find the path and what truth is. We need to study that truth and know how to do that in a way in which Christ would. Laugh more. Smile more. Show people that you have joy and a reason to rejoice. Work together. Find yourselves in circumstances, not only here at church, but in your community where you're working to be a part of a solution. Working together. Stay healthy and be friendly. If I have to say that, I mean, really? Stay healthy and be friendly, yes. Let your, let your body represent what you think would honor God. And be friendly to other people, even when those people are not friendly to you. 
This morning, as we close, I want you to remember something from our scripture reading this morning. Is that mercy triumphs over judgment. Praise God, mercy triumphs over judgment. Because I do not deserve the mercy that God's given me in my life. And I am thankful that God has been merciful to me, a sinner. And some of which I am the chief, right? I am, I, am the, I am the one who sins more than others. We're all in a different place, a different category in that in our lives. But acknowledge, we're not perfect. We need the one who was, the one who is, and one who forever will be as a part of our lives. This morning, if you have a struggle, if you have a need, if you have a mask that you want to just remove, and not just throw it beside you and forget about it, but to acknowledge it, learn from it, and move beyond it.